The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Mature audiences are cleared to proceed. Shall we begin? Let's begin. Who knew that Charlie's Theron was such a huge comic book fan? She got an advanced copy of the Coldest City graphic novel before it was even published in 2012 and made bringing that story to the screen a personal passion project. I'm Todd. And I'm Dave, and we like to talk about spy movies. The elevator pitch? It's John Wick, but with a hot chick. The final product attempts to melt the paranoia of the final years of the Cold War with a bangin' 80s soundtrack and some of the most jaw-droppingly awesome fight scenes ever filmed. We're talking the tradecraft of 2017's Atomic Blonde in this episode of Spies Like Us. It's a 2017 movie that's set in 1989, right before the Berlin Wall falls. In fact, we get to see the wall come down in the movie. Yeah, that's right. We got to see uh, the Ronald Reagan speech, the famous, uh, we don't trust each other. It's not that we don't trust each other because we're armed, but we're armed because we don't trust each other. Gorbachev, bring this wall down. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hell of a soundtrack. I've been, like, the, the songs have been going through my head, like, all week while I've been doing my notes for this. It was definitely a great soundtrack. And, like, it didn't feel out of place. I, there's a lot of movies where they just drop songs for the sake of dropping songs. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. And it kind of felt like that a little bit, but it wasn't, like, overwhelming. Like, it, it felt right because the the movie, the pacing of the movie, it just kind of fit. And there are a ton of needle drops. I mean, it's it's all through the movie. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we watched this, we were just like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. He was super excited for Ministry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the timing is really good too. The timing, like you know, when the you know it, there'll be parts where the music's kind of like just building up to something, but then like right when it breaks and you go into like the chorus or something is when like the action explodes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, pretty well done. <laughs> I like all the songs except that one. The one I'm annoyed by is that one "Voices Carry" song. I don't care for that one. I'm a little annoyed that that one's stuck in my head. Is that the one that got played twice? Yeah, that's the one that uh, um, connects Lorraine and LaSalle. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, tell you what, this movie loves some cigarette smoke. Yeah, absolutely. There's quite a bit of it. Uh, I think I think its only rival would be uh, Peaky Blinders. There's a oh, lot really? of cigarette smoke. Oh, dude, it's, it's crazy in that show. But there's a lot in this movie. So. <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of reminds me of this one old mystery science theater joke. Uh, yeah, you know, back in the fifties, you were required to smoke. I love how she's smoking like everywhere too. It's it's just yeah. Well, hey, anyway, that's a callback to our first episode. Like uh, the first man who knew too much, where like everybody was smoking. In fact, like our our main villain just dies with a cigarette in his mouth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Does Percival <laughs> does Percival die with a cigarette? He should have. He should have died with a cigarette in his mouth. I think he so did. He might have. Yeah, he was definitely. He lit one up when he ran into her, and he has that whole monologue in his head and or to her or whatever with the flash cuts or whatever. Um, but uh, this is the first solo directing uh, effort by the the co-director of the John Wick movies. Get a little confused there. I know he's like the co-director of the first one. Maybe he's the main director of the other two. Even though this movie isn't as like 
beginning to end nonstop action. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I mean, it's got that glorious, glorious uh, fight scene in the in the East Berlin tenement building. I mean, if we're gonna talk about the fight kind of now uh, ish, the the I, what I loved about the fighting in this film was it was super realistic. You know, like I was saying that the trailer kind of turned me off, but watching the the actual film, people get tired. You know, she's she constantly has to like resort to like you know like improvised weapons and stuff like that. And then like it's my favorite part of the movie is when that guy tries to stab her, and he's like pretty much like blood loss, head trauma, tired as shit, and he just goes, Ugh, and she just fucks him up. Right. Like, super oh, yeah, easy. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I like, I like when she, like, is trying to stand up, and she literally just, like, you know, it's like she's drunk. She, like, just <laughs> trying to stand up. She, like, bashes herself into a door and falls back on her ass. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, concussion or, like, some sort of head trauma going on with her. Like, yeah, it was, it, yeah, I, like, the whole movie had a bunch of this. I'm and, gonna... Like, I'm going to go ahead and say, I think this is, for my money, this is the best fight sequence of all time. I can't think of one that tops it. I definitely agree. Um, like, I've, you know, I've seen a couple of the John Wick films that everybody's like, oh, the fighting. And I, I just really, really appreciated how much people got tired. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And, of course, it's a it's a long sequence. I forgot to to check how many minutes it clocks in at but uh i went and looked it up and it's actually stitched together from 40 different sequences uh shot over four days and you can't even tell it's yeah it is ridiculous what how good computer editing has gotten yeah i mean there's some places where you can tell just because you kind of know what to look for like when the camera moves you know like very quickly you know that's that's always a stitch yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, also, you know, like, because uh, otherwise, like, you know, you, I, after watching it a few times, I'm sitting there thinking, like, wait, when did they have time to start, like, putting blood on her face and in her hair and stuff? Right, exactly. Yeah, they would have had to cut it in. Because they, they definitely didn't have a lot of moments where they could have those, like, pill things that you can bite or, like, things where you just smash in your face or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, there's only, I think, only two places where they used uh, Charlize's uh, stunt double in it, and it's both times where she's just getting, like, thrown, like, into a bookcase or something, <laughs> where, <laughs> you know, even though it's a bookcase that's made to, you know, shatter safely or whatever, there's sharp edges or whatever, and you right. just don't want to take that risk, but uh, all the fighting is her. Oh, okay, okay. Which is great, and especially after we saw what the old guard recently like i'm i'm just sitting here like you know if 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 this country does not wake up and start taking her seriously as an action star i don't, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck i'm going to do like what does she have to do i i think she's taken pretty seriously i, I mean hope, she's pretty hot so. like and i don't mean like physically hot attractive not that she isn't but that uh like a lot of people talk about her and she draws a big crowd yeah it's good she really deserves it um, speaking of like computer interaction with stunts, that uh, part really early in the movie where Gascoin gets uh, run into by the car, uh-huh. like that—that that, that can't be a stunt. There's no way. A- action 
movies with ass-kicking women. Like, that's so far up my wheelhouse, and it seems so annoying to me that every time a good one comes out, there's something at least, like, slightly uh, doesn't quite connect with audiences enough to get a sequel. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think yeah. this one, I don't think this one's gonna, gonna get a sequel. No, which is kind of sad because it was gonna get a sequel. Oh uh, yeah, I haven't heard anything about that. Um, yeah, that kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, there's not a whole lot of spy women like stars. But I think it's starting to become more of a thing now. Right. You know, I mean, we'll I wish, I wish, I wish we could do a whole series. But, like, literally, like, if we did, like, five female spy action movies, we'd pretty much have, pretty much have emptied the barrel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but, I mean, we did Born last, and, uh, you know, Pamela, she wasn't the main star, but she was, you know, like... Uh, I, she was a prominent character, and I, and I liked how how much she ran the show. I, I really liked her character a lot. Yeah, that was definitely nice to see. I did go ahead and um, check up. Uh, I, I couldn't find a full discussion group, but just from some reviews of the comic. Uh, first, interesting thing: the comic wasn't called Atomic Blonde; it's called um, The Coldest City. Oh, and it's the first of three or at least a plan three i think the second one is out but uh if they did do an atomic blonde sequel uh, it would they would have to deviate and do something else because the second one of that is actually it's a it's a prequel about the david percival character oh really oh that's interesting which i would see yeah I do, especially if they uh brought back professor x <laughs> oh yeah and yeah, we're doubling up on the Professor X in in short sequence here because we got McAvoy, who's the most recent Professor X, and the guy that played um, uh, Alan Dulles in the Company was the first. Oh, really? He's the voice of the. Uh, he's the voice from the '80s animated cartoon. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that means now we need to come up with a. We need to find a spy movie with Patrick Stewart in it. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we could find one. Right. And then uh the comic I couldn't I couldn't get a copy of it, but uh apparently it's much more in like a Jean Le Carré kind of mode. It's not it's not full of action and fighting. She's not blonde in it. Uh she's not even like, you know, she's not this like femme fatale kind of character. She's more of just a like, you know, dedicated civil servant that that you know just has a lot more of those that tinker tailor soldier spy esque kind of uh oh, really? story yeah 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 i'm totally gonna buy the comics now <laughs> yeah 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 you sold no, me I, yeah I'm i want to you know, but i would i would totally dig on comics that were done in this movie style as well yeah yeah <laughs> so let's see this movie um uh we got <sighs> Well, okay, I'll start here by – I, I want to say this and also ask you about it. I will say that I, I I know that I was actually pretty confused by this movie the first time I watched it. Uh -huh. I was pretty confused by this movie the second time I watched it. And from what I've read, I'm not alone. A lot of audiences found 
this movie to be pretty hard to follow. How about you? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think the general idea wasn't that difficult. But I think uh, trying to put the pieces together didn't make a lot of sense. And there was a lot that happened too fast, especially like the dialogue where you get switched back and forth. So trying to figure out who is doing what and why was kind of tough. And it took us a couple times going back and arguing with each other over stuff to really put it together. I also noticed that they don't, the movie doesn't, uh, it keeps jumping back and forth between characters as well as jumping back and forth between time. But a lot of times we'll just see like, I don't know, 90 seconds of what McAvoy is doing. And then we'll go and check in with like 90 seconds of something Lorraine's doing. Mm Mm-hmm. 40 seconds of something LaSalle's doing, and then we'll come back to McAvoy, you know, and it's only like, it's only like a couple minutes after what we saw him doing just, you know, a couple minutes ago. Yeah. And it's like something completely different. Well, they could have, I mean, they could have just stayed with him, you know, like, like, you know, when we see like the example I'm going to give is like when we see him follow back team to the, to the watch shop. And then, you know, we know from the story, like a few minutes later, he, uh, kills him and takes the watch, but just in between those two things, the movie like wanders off to like show us some other stuff, and and it's just stuff like that that I thought made the pieces kind of hard to fit together. Yeah, but I also, I personally, on a deep analysis of this movie, I think that it it I don't know the movie's kind of hiding a lot of its warts. Uh. There's there's a bunch of stuff I think just doesn't really make a lot of sense. And it also feels like the movie is like hedging its bets on almost everything. You <laughs> right. know? It's it's like like the movie Clue where they had like, you know, the three different four different endings or whatever. Right. I feel like this movie could have had four completely different endings and any one of them could have been justified because, you know, uh she's working she's working for everyone. Everyone's uh-huh. recording everyone. MI6 is like seems to be at one moment like using her to flush out McAvoy, and then you know almost in the same breath, you know, a minute later they're trying to imply that they're using McAvoy to flush her out. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, there's a lot. I mean, like we we kind of had a whole discussion that we'll get into in the podcast, and uh, you think it was you know, kind of messed up from the start, but I think it was just kind of not well put together at the end. And, uh, but you're right. Like literally there's so much that could have happened and it didn't really, it wasn't really justified towards the end. I don't don't know. There's just a whole bunch of spy stuff going on. Yeah. that A lot of it just doesn't seem to be necessary to the plot. It's just fun to look at. And right. so it makes it hard to tease out the parts that actually are important to the plot. Right, right. But, but I got, I mean, I think, I think we've got a, a way that we're going to approach this and try to defuse this, this thing without uh, having it blow up in our face. And, <laughs> and that's to start with um, just the core, like, mechanic of the movie, of, of, the, of the plot, let's say. And that is, it's a, it's a MacGuffin plot. Right. It's uh, it's a plot where the thing that everyone's chasing, and everyone's chasing it, like the diamond in uh, Snatch, 
or like the map in Waterworld or you know countless other movies like it's a it's a commonly used thing that you can do to give everyone something to do even though the thing everyone's chasing isn't in it of itself it's not the real thing that we care about right it's just kind of a plot device but mm-hmm. this the story of friendship and getting right really yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> and in this case of course the macguffin is the list right um there's a neat twist on it i think which is that there's two copies of the list there's one that's in the watch and there's one that's in um spyglass's head Right. And by, and by the way, you know, just for the audience, the, the list is a list of agents and who their code names are, and it reveals their identities. So we, we the, you know, the one thing really didn't make sense. We're, I, we think it's a list of a lot of different agents from different agencies and like double agents and stuff, but I, I can't tell if it's supposed to be a list of KGB agents or if it's a list of everybody. From the you know, com from the comic book, it's a list of everybody. Okay. And, and, and that's, that's and that's, that's what, what I, that's, really... that was the idea I got from the from the movie as well. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. But then it's kind of like, well, why is it that I, I I think that makes it a little bit more complicated? Because uh, if it was just a list of KGB agents. Them wanting to get it makes sense because they don't want it getting out, and everybody else wanting to get it would because they want that. But if it's like a list of everybody, a lot of that information is already kind of known. I don't. It's I don't know. It's just kind of hard to piece together. It's like it's kind of like a, you know, like a, like kind of a freebie where it's just like ah, this is how valuable it is. It's a list of everyone. You know, right. everybody and, wants it. You know, and so I just <laughs> I just want to get this out of the way because like the list seems to have just come from nowhere. Like if you really think about it, like somebody had to compile the list. So, and I guess that would be the Stasi, which is where it's coming from. And if they had that information, then they would have given it to the KGB. So the list just kind of comes out of nowhere. It's like an immaculate conception of, of a plot device that we will just, we'll just stipulate. We're just accepting that. Right. Well, everything centers around Berlin. So somewhere in, in Berlin, compiling a list like that would make sense. But being able to figure out all those people would be pretty difficult. Right. But what I'm saying, it's not only that, but like it, that means there's a lot of pe- a lot of people would have to have been involved. Right. And, and you would have to have like a spy network uh, of the gods. You know what I mean? Like to to even get all of that, like all those key players, you know. But the reason he, the well, the reason why the Stasi wouldn't have given it to KGB is because he was trying to seek asylum and get to the West. Like he was defecting. Right, but he can't be the only Stasi officer that knows about that has the information. Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. It's it's just the idea that this list is the only place this information resides. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That that, that doesn't make sense. That's what I mean by immaculate conception. Like, this list would have had to have a hundred parents. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. But instead, it just seems to exist out there. So that's that's fine. It's so core to the movie, I'm not even going to give it minus five points. Yeah, and they didn't even try and explain it. It's just kind of like when you start a movie in the middle of conflict, you know, it's just... 
it's you just gotta accept it. This is the premise. There's a list. People want it. Exactly. Um, now there being two copies of the list, though, I love how that gives you so much more to play with. And mm-hmm. I feel like the movie did some stuff with that. But if you think about it, you could really do a lot with that because, you know, like if if, if when there's a single MacGuffin, it's just binary. Like you have mm-hmm. it or you don't. You win the game or you lose the game. Right. If right. there's two copies of the list and multiple players playing the game, then you could have a whole bunch of different game states or or win conditions that each are worth like different amounts of points. Uh, you know, like sometimes I, I like to think of these spy plots, try to unravel them kind of like a board game. Right. You know, like like maybe the the most ideal highest number of points, the biggest victory would be something like you have one copy of the list, the other copy is destroyed, and nobody knows that you have it. Right. That would be like maximum points. Right. Now, as long as you have a copy of the list by the end of the game, you are considered like kind of in the winner's circle, but maybe like someone else also has a copy of the list. So, you know, it's like a tie between you two and everyone else loses. Or if you don't get both of them, you lose. Like you can't just have one, you know, if you had a character or something like that, where if you don't get both of them, then you've lost. Right, right. And so we're going to, in the briefing room, we're going to remember to talk about each faction along those lines because everybody has, some people have slightly different relationships with how they would score their tally at the end of the game. Right, because it's like you bring up a really good point. It's not just about the information on the list; it's about who has it. So, so and who knows, and who knows who has it. Right, and yeah, exactly, and who knows who has it. So, like one faction might just want the information; they don't care if anybody else has it; they just want the information. One faction might be wanting to be the only person that has the list, and nobody else has it, or one person has to make sure nobody has it period and you have to be the only one that has both of them you know what i mean uh so it's it's yeah i i I like i think you really brought up a really good point of what made the story uh so well interactive with the plot line is that there's so many possibilities of what motivates different i guess players on the board yeah 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 so uh in the briefing room, which I think we're ready to head to, I think our, our best play here would be to t- take each faction and or character, like, in turn, probably start from the minors and, and work our way up to the to the major characters, which are obviously McAvoy and, and Lorraine. Right. Or I keep saying McAvoy. Probably I should start calling him Percival. Percival. Yeah, yeah Percival. Yeah. Da- David Percival, isn't it? Yes, David Percival. All right. Let's get in there. Retinal scan complete. Validating security clearance. Clearance granted. You may now enter the briefing room. So let's let's tackle MI6. You say you say you got thoughts on their their win condition here. I think their uh, objective is to just get the list. Period. Well, one, most people don't know there's two copies. During the time of the story, not you know pre-interrogation, they didn't know that two lists existed, or at least I don't think they did. 
Uh, but I think their win condition isn't like the reason why the the MacGuffin game for this movie is so interesting is because uh, the existence of two lists and who has them and who knows about them. And I think MI six they stay they when when they're briefing uh, Lorraine about the mission they're like we'll find out who Satchel is he's been a thorn in our side for years which we're, we're going to talk about later why that's annoying but. Uh, they they, they want to find the mole. So I think they just want the information. They don't want the list physically for the value of it to sell it like a lot of our like, you know, free market agents or they don't want it to protect an identity. They want to know just one person and who that person is is Satchel and that this there's this there's this agent named Satchel. And that's what sets up like kind of like the mystery of the movie. Who's Satchel? You know, uh, now but, they claim they claim their motivation is that the information in that list uh, could extend the Cold War for another forty years. That's their claim to her. So by that by that logic, they could be assumed to get a slight mild, minor victory if the list was just destroyed. Because I assume what they mean is that it could extend the Cold War for forty years if someone you know, bad has it. Obviously, if we have it, oh, we, I see, we, I see, we wouldn't, I see. we wouldn't abuse it. Oh no, right, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, 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 right, exactly. I see, I see. Oh, okay, all right. You have a good point. So they do want both copies, even though they don't know both copies exist. They would want both copies because the information extends the Cold War, and they're trying to end the Cold War. Okay, I see. Right, but they also, yeah, they also have that other like bonus condition of exposing Satchel and. They, I don't think they, they, ex, I don't think they state that they think the information, the list would expose Satchel. They just kind of mentioned that to her as a side thing. Uh, but no, but they did make it a point. We need to find out who Satchel is because he's been a thorn in our side for years. So that leak of information has caused problems for the MI6. They need nobody other than them to have the list. Um, they seem to completely forget about Bakhtin when they find out about Spyglass. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the movie, they have seemed to completely forget about the list entirely. Like they're just they're just concerned about the the satchel situation and the fact that she killed David Percival. Right. But uh they did ask her where the list was and she was like, Oh, I don't have it. But yeah, it seemed to yeah, you're right. It seems more like they were more hung up on uh figuring out who Satchel was. Okay, so yeah, so I don't. I guess I don't understand why they even. Pull, well, I guess because she killed David Percival. That's a reason to bring her in to talk, right? He was one of their biggest uh, agents in the station. They, like, well, yeah, they were he's, like, he's the head. He's the station head. Yeah, the Berlin station, the MI6 Berlin station head during the fucking Cold War, right? Oh, <laughs> like, right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's an important person. Yeah, <laughs> right. And and they were like, "You killed an agent of the Crown." Blah 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 blah. blah. You know, so like it, they were they were really pissed about it. You know, but uh, yeah. Well, we'll, well, I have it as my worst number three tradecraft. I actually didn't catch that they asked her about the list and she said she didn't have it. It seemed to me like they just like dropped the subject, which was just weird to me because at the beginning of the movie, that seemed to be like the entire point to them. Right. Right. Yeah. I, and, it's, I, and it's just kind of like, if, even if they didn't forget about it, it's like the movie forgets about it, you know? Like, there should have been some kind of resolution there. Like, she gives him a, a fake or edited copy. 
you know, that leaves her out of it. Right. Something I, like that. I, I completely agree. Like, in this, I think we'll, we'll get into this more as we keep going, but I, I think the biggest problem with some of the loose ends is just how they kind of ended everything without any explanation. Like, they, they kind of crafted this whole really awesome situation, and then it just ends, and there's these loose ends. That, like, they just kind of like manufactured an ending kind of, I mean, not really cause it was still a really good story, but yeah. So I, I definitely agree with you that it's like, the, like the movie forgot the list was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, then there's just this stupid thing where like, you know, they sent her a message, you know, he says, and she's like, you know, this is during debriefing. She's like, yeah, I got your message. And then the message apparently they send someone from the CIA to talk to her? Yeah. Why? And and threaten, I guess, her new interest or some shit, which was LaSalle. Uh, I, yeah. For no reason that I can imagine, like, I, I don't understand, like, what, why John Goodman uh, has anything to say about LaSalle. And speaking of which, he's her boss, and they have an opportunity to have, you know, a conversation in the middle of all this and they don't yeah that that whole sending in john goodman thing kind of didn't make sense to me um it was cool to see john goodman more on screen but uh yeah it's like he just came in to threaten her or let her know of the dangers of the situation and then he just leaves yeah it was kind of silly other than it's the cold war and the u.s is a big player in the cold war and that's going to really show her the gravity. I I don't know, I don't know. I'm I'm grabbing for straws with this. <laughs> don't grab <laughs> don't grab too hard, buddy. Yeah. One thing one, one thing I one thing I decided uh, after a while of trying to tease this movie apart is I I'm not sure what cartoon sequence it was that I saw, but something like said you know there's some cartoon gag where a character's trying to like stuff something into something, uh-huh. and like you know they. One part of it's poking out, and they push that part in, and something else yeah. sticks out. <laughs> right. And then, you know, they go over and try to shove that in, and a third thing pops out. Right. And it and it just never will completely fit. There's always something to play with. Right. In this movie, there's always something to like theorize on what this means or that means. But every time I do, it, it makes another like uh, another piece of it fall off the wagon. Right. Right. Yeah. How I is how I feel about it. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of it comes down to this whole triple agent thing in the first place, which uh, I guess it's kind of necessary to the story. Like, because the core story is that she has uh, a hidden interest in the list above and beyond her purported interest as a representative of MI6. So she has to have a secret. Right. Yeah. And the secret that they came up with is just becomes problematic for me, you know? Yeah. The way that she's working all three sides. And again, that goes to my major thing about this movie is like, you know, with her working all three sides, like you, you can, you can say anything at the end. Right. And kind of walk away thinking that it all made sense, but, eh. but, okay. So I, I guess this is a good time to talk about the pronoun thing then. Cause... Sure. Yeah, she she's basically so you know spoiler alert she's satchel, um, 
so I hope you've seen the movie. But the the way they describe it is instead of her being Satchel working for the KGB, it turns out she's been working for the CIA the whole time. You know, and maybe that's the reason why the John Goodman scene at the wall was really important was to like establish him a little bit more. I, I, you know, but what I loved was how much the pronoun game was played when talking about Satchel. MI6 just assumes it's a guy, but when Percival finds out who it is, he doesn't say, I know the, the identity of Satchel, you know, and I know who she is. He's like, I know the identity of Satchel. And yes, I'm very close to Satchel, you know, uh, you know, right, right, right. and and then when she talks about Satchel, you know, and when other like there's there, there's a lot of dialogue where there's like a pronoun game being played and like the significance of which pronouns are being used, which which I liked. But for the most part, it's assumed by most people that it's a guy, and it, and it turns out to be Lorraine. So I I, I kind of wanted to point that out. All right. Anything else on MI six? Uh, no, I think we're good. All right. How about the uh, the scary, scary KGB? Oh, the KGB. What's their, um, win? their win condition's pretty simple, right? Yeah, I, I I think they just want the list. Sure. Uh, to protect Satchel's, I guess, identity or something. Uh, I I I actually don't know why they want the list, other than so they can get other agents' names. Yeah, I don't think anybody – actually, I don't think anybody – or at least nobody says so. I don't think anybody says that the list w- is thought to be a key to exposing Satchel, even though we find out it is. Well, MI6 does during the briefing, the mm-hmm. early briefing. I don't think so. But... I think they just they just gave her a special warning along the way to watch out for Satchel. No, well, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm misremembering, but I, I know that they did say we got to get that traitor satchel. You know, he's been a thorn in our side for years. So, but, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's not explicit, and it's just kind of assumed that the identity of satchel would be revealed. Right, but we definitely don't have any reason to think that the KGB thinks that. So yeah. they just, so they just want the list. Right, um, and but I, I think. This is where we had a big disagreement was that oh, the, yeah. towards the beginning of the movie, they, they tell her her contact is Percival because, you know, he's the head MI6 agent at Berlin Station. And she gets out of the airport and there's these two dudes and he's like, they're like, oh, you know, they sent us to pick you up. And in the car ride, they're driving real fast and they're like, hey, do you remember uh, Bremovich? Uh, you know him. Uh, he's wondering what you're doing in Berlin. And then they start driving to this like underground parking lot and she starts to realize, well, I think she realizes her <laughs> life is in danger. Uh, he thinks she just killed these two guys out of the blue. Uh, uh, or sorry, Todd thinks that he, they just killed, she killed these guys out of the blue. I, I think, uh, you know, from the dialogue and from some of the shots, she had realized her life's in danger and that she got picked up the, by the wrong guys. And just fights her way out. Yeah, I don't. You know, like I said, I don't. I don't buy it. It feels to me like, uh, like someone had started writing this this part that had written this part before they had decided how the move how the story was going to end. Um, because when you 
do know that she's working again she's working for everybody so when you do know that she is working for Bremovich, uh-huh. um the idea that uh, you know he might want to have a chat with her when she lands in berlin right. uh makes perfect sense to me right uh and i don't like the idea that i mean i i can't get there that he would have given the order of you know hey go grab her and and kill her um and it's the i don't know the 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 little thread on the sweater that i pull hardest is the fact that they gave her a card which was a card that would uh lead her to a place where she could meet and talk with bremovich right why do you you give her that why do you give her that information if you're about to kill her a few minutes later well, maybe maybe they're not trying to kill her, but she obviously realizes that she got picked up by the wrong guys, and the dude hides his gun under his coat, and so she probably, I don't know, you know, now that we're kind of talking this out on the podcast, I'm starting to think, you know, I'm starting to see that you do have a big point of her attacking them, uh, but I think it's because she's stuck in the car, uh, writing wise. I don't know why. Which she probably just doesn't know who these guys are. And she's in a car and she realizes, and they're armed, and she realizes that this isn't her contact and that they lied to her. So she had to, like, step up and, like, fight. So I'm not, I, I'm, a, I'm a little confused. I mean, they go after, you know, they, the, the, when they go after her later wait, in the unless, movie. Wait, hold yeah, on, unless, sure, sure. unless they're doing risk management. And they know the list is going to be getting because the list is out, and it's on the market. So they got to tie up a loose end. They can't have their double agent running around because she could be flipped. Okay. You know, and the only time she meets Bremovich are like in kind of public places up until the end. I mean, when they when they go after you know. In in uh, East Berlin later in the movie, you know, he doesn't say he doesn't say go kill her. He says bring her to me, and the guy uh, I call him Keys because he's the guy that gets the keys stuck in his face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you know, he's like, what the fuck? He just wants to talk. Yeah, <laughs> are you crazy? <laughs> and and at, at, if at this point he just wants to talk, like if earlier he wanted her dead then what's changed his mind? Nothing that I can think of. Right. But, but, I mean, look, since we're talking about a film with a female lead and, you know, we're talking about, you know, there's probably, you know, I can guarantee there's going to be a lot of women empowerment concepts and are blatantly in the film. Uh, uh, there's a big thing in, well, self-defense, number one, but especially is taught in female self-defense. Never go to a second location, you know, you know, so a lot, a lot of this is, you know, if these guys just want to talk, she doesn't know really that's what they want. And, 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 you know, it's so the whole car scene and them trying to take her out over to another place, it's not part of her plan and it's not safe for her as, as a spy, especially because if Bremovich just wanted to talk, he could have just showed up somewhere like the club that they gave him, gave her the card for. Oh, there definitely, there definitely were easier ways to go about it uh, right. than, than you know, basically abducting her. Uh, right, which, which was like 
So, I mean, like, I understand her fighting back. It's a, it's a very dangerous situation, especially for someone of her value and her, her experience. Like, she's not just going to, like, roll up when dudes just show up with the muscle and they're like, you're coming with me. Like, go fuck yourself. You know? So, like, so I understand, like, the fight back and, the like, the, the kill in the car scene and then the fight back in East Berlin at the theater. But, like... If Bromovich really just wanted to talk, he should have just showed up. So it's well. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. That's my. That's my uh, overriding theme of this entire movie. You push one thing in, right? And something else <laughs> will stick out. Yeah. Someone's, someone's <laughs> getting my. Someone's getting minus five points here. Something yeah. doesn't make sense, and that yeah. applies to almost every situation through the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I. I that's what I'm saying. Like. There's a lot. I, I think that's where maybe most of our disagreements are. I think we might be talking uh, about two different perspectives, like like the situations you were talking about. Like I can see the idea behind them, but what you're saying is in the whole piece, the, that small piece in the whole puzzle towards what how it ended, it doesn't make sense. And I th- I think that's really where things get messy is how it ended. They but, set the, they set themselves up badly for failure by with the whole triple agent twist right right it, it makes it makes everything you know it, it, it that's yeah, they, like, they bit think... off they bit off, the story bites off more than it can swallow oh absolutely i completely agree with you but i i don't i don't i don't think it's the triple agent twist that messes it up i think it's how they executed or at least concluded the triple agent i don't think there was enough information there wasn't enough uh, developed for the motivations of the different characters or factions to explain her uh, like being a triple agent. So I don't, I don't think it's specifically the triple agent thing. I think it's I don't th- I don't think it was executed. Well, I'll just I'll just say this: if if she wasn't working for Bremovich, then all of all of my complaints about the KGB interactions she has uh, they completely go away. Yeah, but then now you lose the mystery of who's sexual. Exactly. Which yeah. <laughs> that's part of the story. It's the story the, the story and the plot don't get along well. That's right. that's what I think. That's, well, I, I think. that's what I think of this movie. I think when we were talking about I think you said it really well. The the story is a great story. Like, I mean, we we both love this movie. Fucking and we great both... story. Yeah, and it's a great story. And what you're saying is the plot. You were saying the plot was used to support the story, so it's kind of like forgivable. You know what I mean? Versus the story trying to drive the plot, I guess. Right. Mm, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, yeah, not well. I think it's more like I feel like one person wrote the plot and another person wrote the story, <laughs> <laughs> and then they had to they had to fix it in post. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, that that okay. She does have to have a secret because the core story, right? right never minding the plot. I think the core story. We already said it's a MacGuffin thing, but the core story is uh, her and Percival are supposed to be ostensibly supposed to be working together to get the list however unbeknownst to them uh, about each other each of them has an individual interest in getting the list for themselves right 
Right. Kind of like, kind of like, and that's like, what the, and that's, that's, the, a cla- that's a classic story, you know, like, uh, like Treasure of the Sierra Madre uh-huh. or something. Right. Or, uh, or the plot of, well, you know, where the, the people are, mm, you know, just planning, planning to backstab each other while they're smiling. You know, yeah. they've, they've secretly got an agenda. And the movie wants to keep her secret agenda super secret from us all the way till the end. Over through the course of the movie, we get hints and hints of, of what Percival's motivation is. Right. And, and like, I, I think you really hit the, the what's interesting about the story and the characters is Percival and uh, Lorraine's um, pretty much interaction with each other and how they develop interacting with each other. Because they, they both have a self-interest in the list aside from the the supposed where am I six and where we have a mission. Um, and, and you watch Percival's fall from grace and then you discover the mystery of uh, um, L- Lorraine's uh, uh, identity, so to speak, quote unquote, or multiple identities. So, th- so that's what makes the story interesting. But the general plot is this MacGuffin concept and these big twists of like, oh, he's playing him and she's playing her, and you know, you know, it's uh, oh. sure. Um... You wanna you wanna hear some uh, plus spy points for the KGB? Yes. Okay. <laughs> now this is this is just a theory, but I happen to like it. Okay. Percival's supposed to pick her up at the airport, and he shows up late. That's important so that they can show up, you know, and him not be there. Right. And why is he late? Well, he wakes up in bed. He's he's actually tied to the bed. Looks like he's had quite a night. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, I like to think that the KGB, you know, that these these girls are, are, you know, either KGB agents or were paid to, like, show this guy a wild time, right. make sure he stays up really, really late, and, right. oh, by the way, also, you know, do some kinky uh, tying him to the bedpost kind of thing. So he gets stuck, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I like that. I like that a lot. And that's probably – and that fits because uh, – Spyglass, when he talks about having memorized the list, he lists out everything about Percival. He was like, oh, you go to this, like, you know, uh, chicken ranch type place often, and your favorite girl is, what, Marie or something? So, Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So a lot of that fits. So I think you're right. So I think that's a gem you found that I didn't spot. Okay. Now here's <laughs> here's here's one of my – it's it's a com- it's a, such, such a common – movie crime is when she does flip out and start attacking them uh, in the car, the KGB guys in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why this just flies past everyone and nobody ever complains about it. I, it just mystifies me why the very first thing that the driver should do is hit the brakes, stop the car. Yeah. There's a fight happening in your car. Instead, in movie logic and everybody does this the driver fucking puts his puts the puts the hammer down yeah (laughs) and speeds up the car even while he's like fighting for his life the car will accelerate and keep going like super fast and it's super exciting and kinetic and and wonderful but it doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense no but but without it we wouldn't have the really need to stop doing that yeah (laughs) they need to stop it yeah but without it, we won't have the cool car crash. 
Well, you know, there was also a thing, you know, like I, you know, at some point though, it, it will stop. And I, and I know this because like, I can name another one that used to bug me forever. It was in every single movie. You could not get away from it. And then one day it just stopped. People stopped doing it. Can I tell you about it? Yeah. Up to a certain point in every single movie or TV show you ever saw, if I pointed a gun at your face, you would not take me seriously. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then I would cock the gun. And yeah. then you would take me seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's that other one that you hate. The the villain falling from great heights. <laughs> you know, I, I really thought we were done with that one. but And at two... To some extent, I think we are. Uh, you know, the old guard had a nice twist on it, I thought. Yeah. Where, you know, it's not, I'm not just, I'm not going to, you know, knock you off a great height. I'm going to fucking plummet 17 stories with you yeah. <laughs> to your death because I'm fucking immortal. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to put a twist on it, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, what was the other? Oh, you know, great time just talking about tropes. I like to think, you know, uh, remember in the fight scene it, at the end, the big fucking stairwell fight scene in the tenement, you know, at the end, uh, little nerdy spy, spyglass gets his one hit in, you know, uh-huh. uh, with a, I forget, you know, he just bashes the bad guy over the head with something. And that gives Lorraine like a necessary moment to recover. And that's something we always see, or at least always used to see, always the damsel in distress. That would be like her only contribution. Right. And that and and it's and it's her he the 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 nerdy scientist, like autistic photographic memory guy is the damsel in distress, and our femme fatale is the 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 big hero. And I like to think that, you know, because remember the director is at heart uh an action choreographer like that's mm -hmm. his that's his trade he was um he was uh keanu's stunt double uh in all the matrix movies uh -huh. and then you know he got massively into fight choreography and then he got to co-direct the john wick movies and then again this is his first like movie that he's directing uh -huh. um and just because of the director's background you know like he's got to know fight scenes so intimately and so well and be so aware of the tropes that I like to think that he put that little thing in that little gender swap thing moment you know uh intentionally I think it's I think it's a little flourish yeah yeah no I I agree no it's it, I think it's blatantly obvious that's that that's what he went for and and that type that uh, uh an action director like that would definitely have known all he probably has watched every action scene ever and and was like, oh yeah, we gotta have the damsel, yeah, you know, breaking a glass, something. Right. He's forgotten. <laughs> he's forgotten more about fight scene tropes than we will ever know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a little more KGB. Uh, you know, uh, she meets him at the cafe. I guess I was gonna save this for when we talk about Lorraine, but I guess I want to talk about it now, or just just at least to mention that. You know, uh, he wants to talk to her, right? Right. Bremovich. Right. He wants to know what what she knows. Um, you know, he gets a chance at the cafe. LaSalle interrupts them. Okay, understood. He backs off. He doesn't try to force the issue, which is cool of him. But he knows exactly where she is. 
she's at like what I assume not maybe he doesn't own the cafe, but like it's kind of like his spot. Uh huh. Just fucking follow her right after, like you know, just let her have her conversation with French lady, and then grab her up or make your play. Instead, he waits until she goes to East Berlin, and then sends his murder crew after her. Yeah. Well, East Berlin is his territory. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Art of War type of stuff. You know, Berlin's swarming with, like, West European spies. East Berlin is swarming with, you know... Good point. So you would theorize that the cafe is a place that he uses as a place to meet people in West Berlin. Right. Okay. He, he might... I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, like, invalidate what you're saying. I'm just... I'm just kind of processing the strategy and, and I know, I know we had to grab for a lot of straws in this, but like, it, it's, it's like he's, he's behind enemy lines, West Berlin, East Berlin. That's his, that's like his block. I'd be like, if like shit happened, like over where we are versus like, we went over to like, I, I don't know, fucking uh, Timbuktu and tried to like do, you know, it, it, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's a different ball game. Like he he knows the ins and outs and the what have yous in East Berlin. I'll take it. I'll take it. I got a good segue into uh, Bakhtin. Okay. Um. So as we're leaving the KGB and going toward Bakhtin, uh, I would say that uh, the KGB would have been a lot smarter to focus on finding Bakhtin. Instead, they seem just completely obsessed with Lorraine which they don't have any reason. I mean, I get it. You know, like they could have concerns, you know, she landed in Berlin. She didn't tell us she was coming. Would have been right. nice kind of thing. But, you know, they don't, they don't have any real reason to think that she's the key to everything, but that's how they act. Right. They know that Bakhtin is the key to everything. They should know more because Bakhtin is basically is a KGB guy that's uh, just, it seems to me like he's just stopped answering phone calls <laughs> from his boss. Well, yeah, he went, he went rogue. He, right. he went, he, he joined the free market. Right. You know, his, it's his win condition is, uh, basically make the money. Like, what, I'm say, what I'm saying though, before we leave KGB though, is that, uh, Bakhtin should be an easy of, of everyone else. Anyways, like, the KGB are in a better position to find Bakhtin than anyone else. They've been working with him for presumably years. Oh, yeah, and they probably like, know all of his safe houses and stuff. Right. Like, of all the people and of all the factions in the movie, uh, he should. it should be harder for him to hide from them than anybody else. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. Man, there was so much I was trying to, like, play around with in my head. I didn't even think that should be my worst tradecraft. Uh, well, it's not going to be my number one. You know, uh, maybe maybe I'm going to make that my number three. I'm going to have to edit that. That's that's a that's a good point. I I don't I don't I don't like that at all. That that that. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to make it her not grabbing the pistol in the fight scene. I'll I'll just mention that later. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna upgrade this to my number three worst tradecraft. They they should have just went after Bakhtin the whole time. What are, what are they even doing? Right, except the movie isn't about Bakhtin, so right. or the story isn't about Bakhtin. Right. Even though the plot 
to make more sense would have that's what that's their play i think and then since now we're on back teen i think it also maybe not as compellingly but maybe also goes back the other way if he wants to sell the watch i think it would be easiest for him to just sell it to the kgb again those are the people he knows you know, yeah, as, but he's gone rogue. As... He's gone rogue, and they're gonna kill him. Sure. And he's in West Berlin. He it would have. What he should have instead of putting it up for auction, he probably. Well, I don't. I don't know. But he's got contacts and stuff. I mean, even yeah. if he's even if he's making a total dick play, right? Like I feel like, I don't know, selling the watch to. You know, I don't know, telling my boss like, "Hey, fuck you." I, like, I got the watch like you ordered, but instead of just handing it over, I want this much million dollars or whatever. Right. Which should be easier than going and trying to sell it to people that have been my enemies for decades. I, I don't know. I don't want to stick too hard on that. I, I don't know. From the stories of KGB and how they handled things on the money handoff or something, they would have found him somehow. Uh, yes. yeah. yeah, I don't know. No, but that that's definitely a good point. Uh, I guess that goes back to your cartoon analogy. <laughs> oh, if, yeah, stick one thing in, something else sticks out. Okay. Right, right. And then, um, yeah, I didn't have much else to say about him except that I also don't understand, like, because MI6, in the briefing, they don't appear to know that Bakhtin has gone rogue. They do mention the thing he never got on his flight to Moscow, which maybe that was what the movie was like, try, how the movie was trying to tell us uh-huh. that he'd gone rogue. But they should have made it more explicit because otherwise, if like if MI6, CIA, French intelligence, everyone else like doesn't know that Bakhtin isn't still working for and loyal to the KGB then nobody has any reason to think that he didn't hand over the watch long ago. Like, long before Lorraine even... Long before they even had a chance to get Lorraine, like, into MI6 headquarters to appraise her of the situation. Right. It makes sense for Percival to... He he said... I don't know. He says... If if Bakhtin was going to give it to the KGB, he would have done it long ago. But how would you know? What about Gascoin? Gascoin. Uh, hmm, just minor quibbles here. Um, in that uh, we're given shot, we're given reason to believe that Lorraine was intimate with Gascoin in the mm-hmm. past, and we're given reason to think that Percival and Gascoin's uh, friendship. Now we know they're working together, mm-hmm. uh, but for some reason that photograph she finds tells her that their friendship had gone had had started like longer before they started working together right both of which are really interesting pieces of information that go absolutely nowhere yeah <laughs> yeah so i don't know just throwing it out there there's like there's so many like loose threads on this sweater like it is very difficult to keep count and I just I just want to flag these and move on. You know, yeah. there's there's yeah. a bunch of, there's a several pieces of information we get about Gascoin that 
um, are presented as if they are impactful, intriguing. Right. But they're not. Right. Yeah. Nobody cares about Gascoigne. No. But apparently they cared about LaSalle, who's another uh, interesting one. Yep. Now, here we, we're starting to get out of the minor leagues and into some major characters. Yeah. Um, she's basically uh, a, a newbie French intelligence agent, which we're kind of told, um, and, and I think we can believe is the fact. Uh, it's kind of hinted that she's working with Percival under some capacity, but uh, she's also like spying on him, too. But she's only been working for like a year, I think. That's true. That's well, that's what she says. And that's, you know, I believe it. But I want to back up there for a second. You say it's hinted that she was working with Percival in some capacity. That's that was one of my complaints about the movie. Like, I never got that. I never I, I didn't see that. I didn't see her and Percival having any kind of relationship, uh, working, friendly, otherwise, just any any interaction whatsoever. Well, I think she the 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 tape recording at the end of the movie when uh, Lorraine goes to Percival's place and there's that tape playing. It's of her and and LaSalle. Uh, you know, uh, spoiler alert: LaSalle and Lorraine have a little bit of a romance. Um, but that recording isn't from the jacket. There's like a shot where she finds like a bug in something. And I, so I think he was using her and, and that's why at the end of the movie, when she makes her stupid call, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, she's like, you fucked me, blah, blah, blah. I know how to play this game too. I can play it better than you, you know? Um, so it, it uh, there was probably some sort of like uh interaction or deal or, I guess, uh, uh, you know, passing of information to each other. Okay. Okay. Uh, I just feel like the movie let me down on understanding, like, how Percival and LaSalle were connected in any way. Now, it is true, uh, LaSalle spends most of the movie running around on her motorcycle just taking photographs of everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just gathering intelligence. Um I'm. I give her some like kind of minor plus spy points for just kind of hanging back and collecting information instead of like running in guns blazing like everyone right. else in the movie seems to be doing. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it. They said that you know when when her and Lorraine meet at that club and she she legitimately looks scared, like she or genuinely not legitimate. She genuinely looks scared, and she's like, "I've only been doing this for a year," like. Over and over again, we've heard, I think, probably like a few times that she's way in over her head. This is this is way above her pay grade. She's like a, a, a newbie agent. And, you know, she's like, I only did this because I, like I thought it was exciting. As, I, like, I like that as a character. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely like it as a character. She's not getting any support from her French superiors, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so instead, she's got to make her play for uh, the one player on the board that looks like maybe someone that can help her out. <laughs> yeah. Which also and, could could be plus by points there. Yeah. But I it's mean, not it's not clear whether she was like really trying to make a play uh for Lorraine sexually in order to prosecute her mission. It feels like it's more like LaSalle is just a naive girl that, you know, just likes other girls and 
Well, I think that's what it is, and that's what Percival says when Lorraine asks Percival, who's this chick that's following me? And he's like, well, you're a beautiful woman, you know. And and, and I and, you know with the the play the second the song that played twice that you don't like uh, you know it, I think she was genuinely attracted to her and and she says I only got into this business because I thought it'd be exciting so she's 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 in it for like the the romance the the romantic ideal of what a spy is supposed uh, told to be in the story. Versus you have Lorraine, who's like this like hard, experienced professional. And, you know, she even confessed that the, the only time she was honest with LaSalle was like, you know, relationships are for the benefit or whatever, nothing more or something. Uh-huh. And she's like, you know, your eyes change when you're honest, you know, and blah, blah, blah. So I, 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 I think I, I think that's what it really is. I think she's just kind of smitten with her and she's trying to look cool as an agent, but she realizes she's weighing over her head. Yeah. Um, I wish, and maybe in the comic, there's more done with her. Like there was a lot of potential there for, uh, you know, the kind of situation, uh, in movies and some movies are entirely built around the situation of like, um, uh, two, like you, you have like three people and you have like kind of one in the middle Mm-hmm. And the one in the middle, like, let's say it's person A, B, and C with B in the middle. Mm-hmm. And B is always telling A, like, hey, you can't trust C, you know? Don't trust yeah. C. Yeah. And, 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 and B is always also going over to, to C and saying, like, oh, don't trust A. A is going to fuck you in the ass. Yeah. Um, or to have a situation where, like, they were uh, between Percival and Lorraine uh, making plays to confuse in this case it would be person b lasalle in the middle you know get some scenes of percival uh telling lasalle like hey listen this lorraine chick she's bad fucking news you know right don't don't she's got an agenda don't listen to her right, right and 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 lorraine like kind of making the same play you know like playing a little ping pong with her between it just seems like lost opportunity. I mean, she does have a function in the story. Right. Or at least in the plot. She doesn't right. really have a function so much in the story, but in the plot, I mean, she's there to, uh, give some info, give a tip, a big, supposedly impactful tip, something she whispers to Lorraine, which Lorraine doesn't want us to hear. doesn't want anyone to hear. Right what she has to say about Percival. And we never actually find out what LaSalle told Lorraine. Well, I think, I think what she told her was that LaSalle's playing you and, and per- I, Percival, 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 Percival's playing you. And I, and I think, uh, that that was information that Percival had her feed to Lorraine, um, which also doesn't make sense. Uh, and, and that's the only sense I can make of a lot of that whole interaction, especially with the tape recording at the end at Percival's place. Cause I think Percival knew that Lorraine would come to his place after, you know, realizing what's going on. And then he's not there, but that tape is playing and he's basically trying to shove it in Lorraine's face. Like that girl you've been hooking up with, she's actually been screwing you and playing you the whole time, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, well, and some, at some point, Lorraine. So there's a there's a bug in Lorraine's coat, yeah. which she will state 
in debriefing, of course, like, you know, it's all like, I don't know. Uh, there's so many things that, you know, people can say, especially in spy movies that, you know, since there's so much lying going on, it's really hard to tell when people are saying what they really think yeah. or just what they want the listener to believe. But, um, you know, she makes a point of telling MI6 that she found the recording device in her coat that she said she maintains Percival planted it there, right. but that it was of French manufacture so that that would be a reason for her to distrust LaSalle. Right, 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 right. But again, I don't understand why. Except that it serves the the way they want everything to end out, which which is basically, you know, for all this to work, too, at the end, like, Lorraine just has to have, like, this mass of recordings of everyone. She has to have recordings of Percival. She has to have recordings of Bremovich. Right. And... For some reason, she needs to uh, not have any recorded evidence of what LaSalle told her. But there, I get a quibble, too. Again, push one thing in, something else sticks out. Uh, in the debriefing, when they ask her, what did LaSalle tell you? Keeping in mind that the debriefing happens after all the other events of the movie, so Lorraine has full knowledge of how everything plays out, she says she didn't tell me anything, which is minus five points. It's a perfect opportunity. You know, you have two people that are dead, LaSalle and Percival. Mm-hmm. You, you could say any, You could say she told you anything you want. Say, yeah. <laughs> say, that she, say that she told you that, you know, hey, Percival told me that he's Satchel. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't. But you can't do that because they want to intercut the debriefing to build the tension, like, you know, like within the movie, within the, you know, so they don't want to give that information to the audience. I I don't think, I don't think that our director, remember, it's his first, it's his first time. And he didn't come at this from the usual route that you usually take to becoming a director of a film, right? Right. I don't think, I don't think he handled the whole, like, intercutting of the debriefing very well like a lot of it feels like mm, something that like you know you've seen uh what's it like when i don't know when they talk about like it's what like an alien or when when like ai like they have ai like try to put stories together Uh (laughs) (laughs) it's like i've seen enough of them i should be able to make it you know you just hit these certain beats but there's should be more to it than that. Yeah, well, I uh, I think it might be an issue with writing, but I don't know. He might have, there might have been. You never know, because a lot of this is is a lot of people putting together a movie. So I'm not sure it would just be him, especially since he's more of an action director. It, it might have just been writing. Well, I'll just throw out. Um, I'll just throw out like two theories of what Lasalle reasonably could have told Lorraine about Percival. She A, she could have just said, like, hey, this guy has gone completely rogue. Right. Like, you know, MI6 might have their doubts about him. It's for real. He's 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 fucking playing for himself. Trust me. Right. That's something I think she she could have deduced. Uh she also possibly, I guess, could somehow know that um, we'll, I think we'll have to come back to this too as to whether or not it's true but 
if Percival did drop dimes on Lorraine along mm. the way, mm-hmm. for instance, the big one that she suspects or claims to suspect is that, uh, you know, he was the only person that knew that she visited Gascoigne's apartment and then all the dudes showed up. Right. Uh, and she thinks that Percival did that. But so if that was true, then that's also a piece of information LaSalle could have given her. Right. I, I, I think it was just that he was playing her. Because uh, there's a shot where she says something like that. But I don't think we'll ever really know. <laughs> but I, I, I do want to talk about once, you know, uh, you know, I guess everything kind of gets revealed ish uh, when uh, Lorraine comes to tell LaSalle that her life's in danger. She has to get out as soon as she can. Uh, that Percival's fucked the, but like, I think it was like, he fucked the both of us. You know what I mean? Um, I, uh... <laughs> okay. Wait, 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 before you get there. Okay. How, how though? Like what, what, I mean, I understand what it is that Lorraine is telling LaSalle. Uh-huh. But does that make any sense? Like, what power does Percival have over LaSalle? None. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think they were working together. There's there's enough dialogue to show that there was something going on, and especially the tape recording towards the end, I believe, shows that. Um, well, actually, this is the timing. Sure, sure, sure. And I'll, I'll let I'll let you proceed as long as I just interject again. That little bit of like just maybe one scene with LaSalle and Percival could have been enough to justify this. I just wanted to throw in like LaSalle doesn't have any actual reason to be flipped out about the fact that Percival has anything on her. That makes that makes what I'm about to talk about even worse. Let's hear it. The next thing she does after Lorraine tells her to pack her bags and get the fuck out of town, she calls Percival and says, look, you think you can fuck me, you know, or whatever. Like, I know all your dirty secrets. I can play this game better than you can. There was no reason to do that. She just provoked him. She just provoked him to come to her apartment. It's massive. And, and when, when, I, when I saw this scene, she immediately places a gun under her pillow. And I was like, oh, okay. When he comes to get her or whatever, I was like, oh, well, maybe she planned on him coming. Except while she's packing her bag, she's standing around with fucking headphones on. You know, so I'm making this my number two and my number one worst tradecraft. I'll meet you on number one. Yeah, that call, that call, it's absolutely unnecessary, and that's always going to get really major minus five points from us. When you have information about the other person, you don't share it with them. Right. Use it. Right. Exactly. And 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 what she basically did was, and you know, whatever. Like the movie made her look like a super rookie. Why is she standing in her apartment with headphones on so she can't hear anybody? Like coming into her apartment when she knows that when she's been told her life's in danger and she's got to leave. Not only did she like provoke the monster to come after her, she also like set herself up to be in a very dangerous situation, which got her killed. She just puts on some headphones and like draws a cute little like note, packs her bags all slowly and like broods over like her relationship with Lorraine listening to this song that was special for her. 
don't forget to to write Lorraine's name on that envelope in super big letters yeah. with a sharpie too while you're at it. Right. So anybody <laughs> showing up would be like Lorraine. You mean <laughs> the agent that everybody knows? Bum, like, bum, bum. Yeah. Got a couple of very minor characters uh, in the film that uh, I don't know. Do we have anything on them? We got. Uh, Watchmaker. I was never quite clear, like what what his deal was. Did you have any thoughts? I, I mean, like <laughs> you and I have watched enough spy movies to know who that guy is. He's just he just wasn't developed. He's he's just a a, a general place of contact. You know, from spy movies, there's always like this network of people that do stuff on the side. Like he's obviously a top notch watchmaker. So he's he's kind of like You think he's do you think he's neutral? Yeah. The yeah. wiki the wiki claims that he's he's a CIA asset, but I didn't I didn't get that. That might the be in the that might be in the comic. It's possible. You yeah. know, when when she um when she visits him, um you know, Percival hears what they talk about. Again, that whole thing of like you just have to assume everyone's bugging everyone, yeah. or at any given point, like the scriptwriter will decide that there was a bug somewhere so that they can justify anything they want to fucking do. The watchmaker also has a role of connecting her to the Bill Skarsgård character. Uh, that's that's her. Uh, let's see, she wants to have a contact in East Berlin that doesn't go through Percival, uh, which is smart of her. Plus spy points, right? And um, you know, Bill Skarsgård doesn't get a whole. Oh, maybe bunch that's of why he's a CIA asset. Right? Yeah, Skarsgård could be CIA because also remember Skarsgård. No, no, no. What, what oh, I'm sorry. saying is th- that's that's what might justify Watchmaker as being a CIA asset. No, I I I, I agree because you know maybe because Skarsgård could be CIA as well. Yes. Yes. So, and, and if she's so, CIA the whole time, that's why she when she was when they're gonna take Spyglass across the border, she was like, "Fine, we'll do it your way, but I want the papers to be drawn up by my guy, and her guy is Scarzard." Right. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She trusts him, and he's probably CIA. So th- that would explain a lot for that. Because remember, also Scarzard doesn't just help her in East Berlin; he also helps her at the end of the movie. Uh, when she uh, flies to Paris to kill Brezhnev. He's in that scene as well. Uh-oh. Oh, yes, 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 yes. He, yeah, he pretends to be a bellboy with the bell staff that are going to come clean up the bodies. Right, right, right. So yeah. he's, so he's, he's, um, it, that, that implies to me that he's, attached to her loyal to her in ways beyond just being like you know a random i don't know mercenary uh i'll help you know whoever for the highest bidder make some passports for you kind of shit in east right. berlin right 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 and then uh you know i wanted to give some i'm i'm giving some plus spy points to Skarsgård too you know i do appreciate a guy who just hangs out in the background doesn't attract attention to himself and does his fucking job. Yeah, I also love that he his one of his i uh, uh, i did what are they identity? Sorry, I'm blanking on the but that he was a di- uh, an ambassador. 
which mm-hmm. is fucking great. That's how good his like paperwork is, you know. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, me too. Like, uh, I like you know, I called. Remember, I called out the waiter in uh, uh, Man Who Knew Too Much, nineteen fifty six. Just guy in the background, quietly doing his job. Yeah, and I, and I, and I really like the guy in the company. Uh, uh, episode one of the company, there was that one guy in uh, in you know that worked with Tariti and um, and what's his face, Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. No, not Chris, Chris Evans. Yeah, Chris Evans. No, no, that's Captain America. Uh, Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, Chris O'Donnell. You know that worked with them, and again, like you know, never attracted attention to himself. I'm always I'm always appreciative of those guys in spy movies. Right. They, they they show up and do their job, and they're just in the background, you know, get, get, collecting pieces of puzzles. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we've done as best as we can, I think, of, like, talking through all the factions, the the minor characters. Uh, obviously, we've mostly left off the table our two principal people. That's Lorraine and Percival. That's who the movie's really about. Uh-huh. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, wrap this up. For right now, we'll come back and talk about those guys uh, next week. What do you say? As always, the best way to make sure you don't miss out on that is to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Google, or your favorite podcast app. Also, you can find updates on our Facebook page or website, spieslikeus.net. And please, if you can help us out, give us some feedback by rating us and leaving comments. We're always trying to improve the show, and your thoughts would be a big help. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler.